Welcome to the Fastest 5 Minutes, presented by Kroll and Morin. We are your co-hosts, David Robbins and Peter Ayer, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. And Peter, over to you. Thanks so much, David. So we start with an executive order and specifically revocation of an executive order. On October 31st, President Trump signed an EO revoking the Obama administration's executive order 13495, which refers to non-displacement of qualified workers under service contracts. The revoked executive order had required service contractors who were taking over a government contract from another company to offer jobs with certain limited exceptions to non-managerial employees at the previous firm before hiring others. It was basically a requirement to transition employees under one contract to the next with certain limited exceptions. That has now been revoked. The FAR clause is still there. There are some questions about what governs, but generally speaking, the view is that the revocation moots out any enforcement. So the FAR clause now has no teeth, and we expect that to work its way through the FAR Council going forward. David, over to you. Thanks, Peter. In suspension and debarment news, the Interagency Suspension Debarment Committee issued its annual report on the level of activity in the federal suspension and debarment system. Interestingly, and as has always been the case, these stats trail actuals this time by a full year. We're talking about fiscal 2018. But here's what happened in 2018. Suspensions, debarments, and proposed debarments continued to decrease. The total numbers have declined year over year, but pre-notice interactions, those are show cause letters, requests for information, and or proactive outreach by contractors, those continue to comprise a significant portion of suspension and debarment officials' dockets and have remained relatively steady and, frankly, at a high-water mark in recent years. So, among other things, though, the report also highlighted an increased focus within the suspension debarment community on contractor compliance with cybersecurity requirements and describes the ISDC's efforts to develop a consistent set of procedures for both procurement and non-procurement suspensions and debarments. Again, this is a year late. I'm not sure the merged rule, NCR and FAR, is actually going to happen. hasn't happened yet, and time is getting away from us. And uh, we will be sending out by client alert shortly an analysis of the fiscal year 2019 numbers that I and others do every year here to get you a little more up to date, but still good to know what's going on in this arena. Peter, back to you. We now turn to some other statistics and reports, this one having to do with GAO bid protests. The annual report was released to Congress on November 5th, and here are some headlines. GAO received 2,198 protests in fiscal year 19, which is down 16% over FY18. GAO sustained 13% of protests compared to 15% of protests in FY18 and 17% in FY17. So basically, we see a lower sustain rate. The overall effectiveness rate stayed at 44%, and that effectiveness rate really is defined as the percentage where protester got some relief, whether that's voluntary corrective action or a sustain. The report also identified most common bases for sustained protests, and several were called out, unreasonable technical evaluations, inadequate documentation of agency records, flawed selection decisions, unequal treatment, and unreasonable cost or price evaluations. 
David, over to you for some FCA news. Well, thanks. And I think before we get to that, Peter, we got to wonder, I mean, seeing these stats, and we know how we do here at this firm, we got to wonder whether in at least future editions, we might want to tout some of the successes we've been having, right? That our success rate is significantly higher than this, and the number of protests filed is also significant. We might want to either in all things protest or on this podcast, just sort of talk about some of those things that our colleagues are seeing in this arena. Anyway, just a thought, maybe for another day. Okay, moving on to False Claims Act news. Also on November 5th, the Eastern District of Pennsylvania issued a rather interesting decision because it granted the Department of Justice's motion to dismiss with prejudice a relator's non-intervened Ketam suit alleging the defendants violated the False Claims Act by causing its client hospitals to fraudulently bill Medicare and Medicaid by falsely designating outpatient patient admissions as inpatient admissions. We have to go through that. All those patient words are necessary just to understand the scheme. Here's the key point. Since the lawsuit's inception in 2012, the defendants have issued a number of burdensome discovery demands on the government that have required a lot of resources to address, including TUI requests for government information as the case scope of discovery has expanded. And that caused the court to apply the rational basis or Sequoia Orange standard that had been adopted by the Ninth and Tenth Circuits of Appeals which requires the DOJ to identify a valid government interest for dismissal and show a rational relation between the dismissal and meeting that interest. In granting the motion, court found that the government successfully showed that the litigation burden and expenses, remember all that discovery, litigation burden and expenses associated with the non-intervened suit is no longer justified, and a complete dismissal would eliminate the burden. Yet another example of how the materiality standard is working and how DOJ is using its new authority to dismiss these cases, either here to eliminate burden, but also probably and more likely to eliminate the risk of bad law. Peter, back to you. All right. We've done suspension debarment. We've done executive orders, protests, false claims, and now we just end with a quick note on claims. So on November 4th, the Civilian Board of Contract Appeals released an opinion finding that a contractor's attempt to negotiate a contract mod did not toll the Contract Disputes Act six-year statute limitations. In other words, going back and forth and trying to negotiate in good faith with the government, whether it's a mod or some other type of resolution, does not toll that six-year statute limitations. It's consistent with prior case law, but a really good reminder that even if you think that you've gotten the government to agree to a structure that would resolve the dispute, it does not toll that six-year statute of limitations. So an important point to keep in mind from a contract admin and CDA perspective. And with that, we'll close it out. That's all for this edition. We will see you again in two weeks. Thank you so much for joining. In the meantime, if you need anything, David can be reached at 202-624-2627. And I can be reached at 202-624-2807. Thanks for joining. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mori LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast.